so I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh my mama. Oh my mama made it, ma. Anything's yeah. possible. Rainy days. Jump shot fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it like when Tatum play a Jalen on the breakaway or Kyrie when he make a trade. And nothing like the terrible analysts on the TV. So in depth that after you play it, you gotta repeat. So in depth they might do an hour about the D League. So in depth you probably should pay him, but it's a freebie. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and J King locked on trying to get the 18th ring. And well wishes go to Gordon. Listen, after every game is very important, Millie. Hey there, welcome back to the Lockdown Celtics Podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Thank you for making us part of your daily routine. We're here for you Monday through Friday. Today, we, the Rain and Jays, John Corrales and Sam Jam Packard, are coming to you after a 102-88 win over the Cleveland Cavaliers. A surprisingly easy win. Uh, and uh, yeah, the, the Celtics ran away with it in the second half. And really just took care of business tonight for the first time in a while. We had a nice, comfortable closeout to a game, and it happened to be against the Cavaliers. So big performances from uh, Jason Tatum, Tita Rozier, a bunch of guys scored in double figures, good team win. And all of this today is brought to you by our friends at MyBookie. Go to MyBookieAG. It's bowl season. Get your bets in at MyBookieAG. I'll give you a special deal in a few minutes. Sam, this is such a crazy game because ESPN game and Cavalier Celtics and Isaiah returning to the garden even though he didn't play, they stuck jam in like the garage in the garden somewhere. Yeah, I'm I'm deep in the depths. There's so many media members here that my normal uh, weird empty room that I record from uh, has been taken over by the likes of uh, Stephen A. Smith and Brian Windhorst. So I've been pushed into an even deeper depth so if you hear a truck in the background that's what that is but this basketball game was kind of confusing there was so much hype going into it I was very excited for it and then the Cavs just came out like uh they one knew that the regular season doesn't really matter and two knew that they were on a back-to-back and had some like some built-in excuses because they just didn't play very good basketball uh, at any point of this game I mean they like kind of got things going in the second quarter but they shot a total of 35% from the field. And it just, uh, as soon as the Celtics opened up the third quarter, you saw Tatum and Jalen Brown kind of go on a run. And it just felt like the game was over at that point, which is just, you're surprised to see that from a, or from a LeBron James team. He just, they just, it wasn't a competitive game, which is not what, out of all the outcomes I thought were, was, were possible for tonight, that was not one of them. No, they held a 13-point lead in the first half, and then obviously in the second half they pushed it up to 23 before the final score was, uh, what did they win by, 14 it ended up being? So, uh, look, the, the Cavaliers are the oldest team in the league, I believe, and they came off a home, uh, they're, they're in a back-to-back home game last night, so and I got into into it with some dude on Twitter who Wait, you got into a fight with someone on Twitter? That's I know, crazy. It's crazy. Uh I'm definitely not known for that. Uh but the the question was about back-to-back games and the fact is that back-to-back games are hard because the NBA is hard. Playing in an NBA game is very difficult to do. These guys make it look easy, but it's not easy, and for a team as old as the Cavaliers, 
who have played as many games as the Cavaliers to play last night, get on a plane, come to Boston, play tonight, and then have to worry about getting out ahead of a blizzard. There, There's just every reason for them to kind of not play well. And aside from LeBron James, like LeBron played well in the first half. And Kyle Korver, if, if it wasn't for Kyle Korver, this game would have been a 30-point game at halftime. Kyle Korver had a big first half. And then the second half was just a bunch of blah from them. The third quarter, they the Celtics just stuck it to the Cavs, and they and they ran away with it. The, the beginning of the fourth quarter, you could tell that the Cavs were going to die, and really with about nine minutes to go in the game, they sort of rolled over. They really did not care to to play this game. It was as, uh, as much a schedule loss as you're going to get for a team like the Cavaliers. Again, they've, they've gone to how many finals now? LeBron's played in how many finals? That wear and tear year after year after year, the season, the, the, you know, the, the back-to-back and all that stuff, this, I mean, we, we kind of saw it coming, we, we, or you should have seen it coming, that this, the Celtics, with a couple of days rest, actually came out, played well, and uh, the sloppiness is not surprising from the Cavaliers. The thing that I thought like was the story of the whole game and why the Cavs were so or played so poorly was just Kevin Love. He started out the game 0 for yep. 7. He just really didn't give them anything offensively. And he's normally the guy who kills the Celtics, was just nailing threes. He was 0 for 4 from 3. He left the game with an injury. I feel like he's always getting hurt, too. Remember when he um just threw his arm uh, into Kelly Olynyk's grasps and then just basically tore out his own shoulder? Like he, He's constantly doing things like that. Um, and basically they got nothing from, he should be their second best player if Isaiah Thomas is not on the court, uh, and they got zero from him. They got zero from Dwayne Wade. I thought Tristan Thompson had a pretty good game. He's always going to be a menace on the offensive class, and it's kind of frustrating to play against him, but other than that, it was a a pedestrian game from LeBron James, who kind of in the second half looked like he was just tired and was settling for long twos, which is not kind of what you expect from LeBron James, a guy who can get to the rim at any point. Um, and on the Celtics side of the ball, I just thought they did their ball movement, uh, was fantastic. They were generating a lot of open shots, some shots they didn't even necessarily hit. They only shot 44.6% from the field, but I thought the ball movement was very crisp and, uh, it wasn't necessarily any of the starters who did, uh, did major damage. It was Marcus Smart and Terry Rozier in that first quarter. They combined for 15 points. They finished with 35 points, but I thought those two guys off the bench, just made uh, a lot of the right plays. We're doing um, playmaking, and uh, they combined to be 7 of 12 from deep, which is uh, bench scoring, man. If the Celtics bench is going to score points, they're going to win a lot of basketball games. So that was great to see. Uh, I just thought it was an all-around good performance, but I think the the bench, especially Tito Three Sticks, who is having the best five-game stretch of his career. I don't know what's gotten into him, um, but the past five games, his scoring and his... uh, Energy on defense, his play in transition, his playmaking, his decision making has been fantastic. And I think he deserves all the credit in the world. He got so much shit for kind of being the guy Danny Ainge wouldn't trade and he instantly became a, a Twitter joke. But he's really stepped up his game. And especially, there's a reason the Celtics have won the last, I don't know how many they've won in a row. It feels like four or five. And it, it's all, um, it's not all Tito, but Tito playing well is certainly has a, has a huge impact on that. So I think he deserves a, a lot of credit. Celtics have won four straight now, uh, seven of their last ten. And impressive, by the way, that they're still winning all of these games. They, this is the tail end of that crazy schedule. 
and they've they've not only survived, they've actually extended a lead over Toronto, and now they have a four and a half game lead over the Cavaliers. Not that that matters in January, but still nice. Uh, let me ask you this as a Tito connoisseur, and it, let me just dip into the uh, Rain and Jays hashtag for a second to give at Mr. Underscore Pierce the shout-out here. Commence the Tatum slash Tito gush cast. I'm all for it on my ride to work tomorrow. Uh, Mr. Pierce, you got it. Uh, the, the the Tito stretch recently, I agree, first of all. Past few games have been awesome for him. I feel like he's playing slower. And I don't know if you if it's just me or if you agree, he's not doing the wild, crazy things that he's he's been doing that have driven me kind of crazy. I feel like he's not he's not he's not as fancy. He's not doing all the crazy fancy layups. He's not doing all the crazy fancy dribbling. He's not trying to do all that stuff. I feel like he's calmed down a tiny bit and and it's it's worked. I would I would agree and I this is kind of doesn't make a lot of sense, but I think he's also playing more aggressively. Like he's it's like controlled aggression where I think he's doing a really good job of pushing the ball in transition and in the past where we've seen him uh, just kind of attack the basket uh, recklessly. I think he's just making better decisions. Uh, and I think it's just adding to his confidence. I think the biggest impact with him is just he's shooting the three-pointer with confidence, and it's working for him. The past four games, or past five games, he was four made threes, three made threes, then two for four in the past two games, and then tonight um, he was four for six. So it's just really his the, his ability to make threes and to shoot them with confidence um, kind of takes his game to another level. Just because they're not gonna, you just—he's so explosive and so quick that you're not gonna worry about him necessarily as a three-point shooter, but just his ability to stretch the floor—it's um, huge for the Celtics in that second unit, which we've seen just struggle to make baskets. So, I agree with you. I think he's his decision making—he plays a lot less frantically, but I think that in calming down, it's allowed him to push the ball more and be more aggressive. If that makes any sense, that's kind of, it's very circular logic, but for some reason it just feels right. Just like me calling him Tito. It doesn't really make sense, but it just feels right in my heart. (laughs) It makes sense. It makes sense to me. Well, now it does. Yeah, Yeah, sure. Of course. I'm all on board. Uh, it would also make sense if you are a gambler, then I would suggest using my bookie bowl season is here and it's time to get into the action with, my bookie, and if you are sick and tired of getting the runaround when you ask for a payout, you can sign up for mybookie.ag today and get paid fast when you win. I'm not a college football guy. Uh, I know a few of you watched a, what I'm told is a crazy Rose Bowl, and that would have been fun if uh, you were inclined to put some money on that. But my bookie is your hookup for all your betting needs, and you can even deposit using Bitcoin. So that's current. That's nice. Uh, so where you where you bet is just as important as who you're betting on. And if you want to make money betting the bowl games, go to MyBookieAG. They are the only site we'd recommend because uh, they are just the best. And if you don't have to take our word for it, you can check them out for yourself. Odds in every matchup, uh, as well as live in-game betting on all the NFL and bowl games. So the in-game the in-game betting is is kind of nuts. People really love to do that, you know, after the first quarter start laying down some money. So you can do that on my bookie. So just go to mybookie.ag, they will match your deposit with an up to 50% bonus. 
Use the promo code Locked On to activate the offer. Locked On to activate the offer. Go to mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. If you're going to bet, the only place to do it is my bookie. Now, I did not bet on Kyrie Irving only getting 11 points tonight. Uh, otherwise, I wouldn't have put, picked him up in my draft team. Uh, 11 points, nine, nine rebounds, six assists. Nice night for him. Uh, Al Horford, 11 points, nine rebounds, three assists, but... Can you imagine a, a scenario in which we would have said Kyrie and Al Horford would have combined for 22 points and the Celtics would have won going away against the Cavaliers? No, it's it's downright shocking. But the, the fact of the matter is the Celtics just didn't need their offense tonight. Uh, they both had, or Horford had a pretty efficient game. Um, Kyrie, not so much. He missed every uh, three-pointer he attempted, but uh, he still got nine rebounds, which is a higher, a higher total for him, but... Yeah, no, they just like let the other guys do it, and it just felt like be- they weren't going to extend themselves because they realized they didn't have to against the Cavaliers, and they really left it to the younger guys. Um, I've, we've talked about Tito, but Jason Tatum, after a pretty shitty first quarter, uh, he started one for four. Actually, a pretty not great first half. Definitely came back, was more aggressive. He just had some absurd... Um, just the sequence in the third quarter that really actually felt like it put the game away was him driving and he did kind of the over the head pass and hit Al Horford in the corner directly in the letters. It was like the perfect pass. It was pretty like, I think it was the coolest thing I've seen Tatum do so far. And he's done a lot of cool things, especially finishing the round in the rim, but that pass was perfect. Um, Horford knocks down the three and then next time down the court in transition, he pulls up, he knocks down the three. The Celtics go up, I think it was like 14 or 15 in that point, and the Cavs take a timeout, and that was really when it was over. So it's kind of absurd that Jason Tatum, 19 years old, is so consistent that even when he has a bad first half, he still turn, turns in a performance where he is 15 and 5 and is a plus 21, leading the team. And, um, and I know we say plus minus is a garbage stat, but it's it's a fun one to use after the games to talk about things. <laughs> It is not a garbage stat. It can be used for, you know, things. It's it's not bad. Like, it's just a, a way to kind of – it adds. It's like a, a seasoning. It's like a little bit of salt or pepper on the on, in the grand plate of statistics. So Tatum did very well. And, yeah, 6 of 14 shooting. You're right. What are we going to sit here and say about Tatum? Another uh, really efficient game for the most part. Missed a couple of shots early, but man, let, that second half, let me pull up his second half statistics. Four of seven from the field for 11 points, one of two from three. So, and a plus 17 in the second half. He was there for most of the Celtics kind of pushing the score out of reach. He's really goddamn good. He's just really good. Even the, 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 the missed dunk was, okay, so he missed the dunk and that was bad. But the, all of the moves that he made to get to the rim, were really goddamn good. Uh, the the three in transition that he gave up that got to the rim was just really good because he didn't. He, you could have taken that three; it was open, it was fine. But he saw something and he probed and he went in for the layup, which is a higher percentage shot, and that's what you want: threes, layups, or free throws. So he got the layup. Tatum is awesome. He's he's a nineteen year old kid. Have you heard that he's nineteen? 
but he's playing. He just plays just amazingly well. Um, Terry Rozier after the game telling Doris Burke that he, he looks like it looks like uh, Rose. I mean, uh, Tatum's been playing in the league for like three, four years. So you got like you got like salt trucks behind you getting ready to go out there and sand Causeway Street. Feels like. Yeah, I'm trying to trying to regulate it with the mute button, but the <laughs> trucks just keep coming back. Um, I'm going to avoid that, but you're right. Tatum is absurd, and it just doesn't it doesn't make any sense at this point. And at some point, he's going to put on muscle. Uh, I was talking to him before the game, just about like him trying to add things to his game, and it's going to be spooky, dangerous. Uh, just when he gets better, like it's it's so weird that he's already been um, this good and. Another thing Brad mentioned before the game is just like how strong of like the one and done players both Tatum and Brown have been. And I thought um, despite uh, not necessarily a great shooting performance from Jalen Brown tonight, I thought he did a really good job. One, just defensively, he's always been locked in, but attacking the basket. He was finished with 14 points, had eight boards. Um, I don't know. I I just think Jalen Brown, since he kind of had that downswing, he's now on that – not just playing well again and playing with a lot of energy and you're seeing the team. This is kind of the team that we thought the the Celtics would be fully healthy, a lot of wings, just a crazy young and an athletic team, um, just outworking their opponents. So I think as much credit as we give Tatum, Tatum's definitely the flashier player. Um, but Jalen was quite active and he had a sweet dunk. So he gets credit for that too. Absolutely. That was a nice dunk. He's, he's, uh, an athletic player. Why don't we go back to Twitter and get that Rain and Jays hashtag going. Uh, let's see. Uh, Mauricio Green, does Tito have a chance at NBA 17-18 uh, six-man? His last five games, he was on fire. Last year, some impatient fans wanted to trade him. Does he get a chance at the sixth-man award this year? Well, no. no. <laughs> you have to average like 15 points a game off the bench and get... He's, and I just don't think he's there yet. He, if he plays like he's played the past few games, the rest of the season, then he might get one of those kind of second half boosts. Like, what have you done for me lately? And people might say, "Hey, wait, by the way." But uh, you know, and look, if he has that kind of game, then he could he could get in some consideration for maybe most improved. But I mean, that's probably going to go to like Victor Oladipo or something like that. So. Uh, I don't – no. I'm going to say no. He does not have a chance. Yeah, uh, I'm the biggest Tito three-sticks fan there is, and I just don't think he's going to win sixth man of the year. And I saw some other people saying most improved player of the year. I don't know. I just – he's like the seventh best player on the Celtics, and it's hard to win awards when you're that low profile. But um, I like the enthusiasm. I'm all for it. Yeah, sure. Uh, Brian, at Brian0414, Tito three-sticks number will hang in the garden forever. But for real, though, is there going to be a situation where they have to pick between Smart, Brown, Rozier? Uh, I don't know why Brown just entered that equation. I don't because know. Because it's a, it's a decision that's between Smart and Rozier that they may have to make depending on Marcus's market and what he commands in this offseason. And I think that's a – it's a not a – you don't want to have to pick between players, but it's nice to have that kind of insurance to, to Marcus Smart who's – is continuing to shoot threes extraordinarily well. He had, and had some points in the paint tonight. I don't, I'm I'm very confused about what he's he's doing as a human being. He makes zero <laughs> sense. He, like he didn't make any sense before this. Um, but I felt comfortable in the ways he didn't make sense. Now he's just like, uh, being a a pretty solid three point shooter. 
um, and still impacting winning. I don't know. He, um, I was just generally befuddled by his performance tonight. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I do think there may be, and you're right, The there might be a market for Marcus Smart, depending on how a few things shake out. It, mostly, I think, how if certain teams don't get their preferred player, they might turn to a guy like Smart. And they might it just kind of depends on what numbers do you believe because the the November shooting for Marcus Smart was not great. Twenty eight and here's the funny thing about Smart. Twenty eight point eight percent from three. Now in December, he got that shooting up to over thirty percent. He's like thirty one percent, which is still below average and not good, but we felt like Oh my God, he had such great shooting. And so uh, it's still not good. But the, his shooting used to be so bad that we now look at this and be like, oh, okay. Yeah, th- this is acceptable now. It's like when it's two degrees out, when it gets up to 20 degrees, you're like, oh, I can, I can deal with this. But the first time it's 20 degrees, you think you're, you know, your nuts are going to fall off. So. That's kind of like uh, that's watching Marcus Smart is like feeling like your nuts are going to fall off. I think that's the perfect analogy. There you go, basically. <laughs> so back to the question at hand: Marcus Smart is up for uh, you know restricted free agency, and it's hard to say what the market's going to be. If I'm pretty sure that Danny Ainge has a number in mind, and if that number is exceeded by another team, he can lean back on Terry Rozier and say, "You're going to be our guy." We can't re-sign Marcus. There are tax implications, so somebody's going to have to go. And then the following year is going to be interesting because if they pay Marcus Smart, they've got Terry Rozier under the contract for next season for $3 million, but then in 2019-20, he becomes a restricted free agent, and we got to see how that plays out. If, if there's no way they can pay him, who knows what happens to Tito next year. So there, there are choices that are going to have to be made at some point, but I don't know necessarily if it's going to be those three guys. Uh, let's go to Drew Homan. Drew underscore Homan. Quiet night for Kyrie. Smartly and unselfishly passing it off. Constant double, sometimes triple teams. Good basketball. I would agree. You know, they like you said, they didn't need Kyrie, but um, you know, it's when you. I, I thought he was made a lot of great passes tonight. I thought they didn't use it a bunch, but. Him and Horford in the pick and roll had some nice moments. I think that was good for at least three of his assists. Um, I have not watched a lot of Cavaliers games, but I've watched two in the past 48 hours, and they just cannot defend a, a big man rolling to the hoop. And maybe that's just their strategy. They're going to they're gonna um, ice hard against the pick and roll, but they just don't seem to have like the personnel or anyone involved who can kind of deal with that defender, that big who sets the pick. Um, and I thought Kyrie made the right pass over and over again tonight and so he deserves credit for that it's he's you would think like the what when you hear about Kyrie like you you there's like the stereotypical thing about him having like an ego and him wanting to be the man and if there was any time that this was going to come out it's going to be at home against his former team and no he just made the right basketball play tonight and um got the win so I think he it was a quiet night for him, but he definitely deserves credit for um, his passing tonight. I thought it was it was fantastic, just hitting Horford exactly when he needed the basketball. I will say, for Kyrie's sake, I'm kind of glad that 
it wasn't all about him tonight. Like it's this might just kind of end all of this talk about Kyrie and Cleveland. Like the big Jackie McMullen piece came out today, which I thought was super interesting and it shed a lot of light, a lot of perspective on Kyrie the person. But it that could have been a big, big topic after the game. And yeah, there are a lot of media there, but it was Terry Rozier getting the post-game interview. And funny, uh, at Scropeberg, Donald Scropeberg tweeted us, who would you rather have at the end of the season? Be honest, I can take it. And it's the game leaders. It's LeBron James, who shot 8 of 15 for 19 points, and Terry Rozier, 8 of 12 for 20 points, uh, which is funny. But Rozier was the story after the game. It was the bench. It was Jason Tatum. It's those guys. And Kyrie kind of just slowly drifted into the into the background and let everyone else kind of talk about whatever. I mean, he barely played in the fourth quarter. It was just, I, I think, perfect because there was a Celtics-Cleveland game that wasn't about LeBron versus Kyrie. It was about other things, and, and, and now it can all be about other things moving forward. Yeah, it's like all the storylines that we had built up going into this game, none of them came true. You you know that um, Isaiah Thomas was here tonight? <laughs> we haven't yeah, even right. mentioned that yet. It was just like that was just didn't turn out to be a thing. I mean, he had his press conference before the game, and like there was people filming him, and they had a weird kind of non-moment for him at one point, put him on the Jumbotron, but all that didn't turn into a storyline either. So yeah. NBA is a weird place. Is like, There was it's so much wild. hype for so many different storylines that just none of them came true tonight. Uh, let's rip through a few more of these things. Tom McMillan, the Celtics are on pace for 62 wins this year. What's their real over-under at this point? Hmm. They are. They're 31-10 and 10 after the halfway point, so... I, I don't know. I'm not a I'm not a person. I'm not a better a better man. If I was, I'd be doing it um, on mybookie.ag. There's the one. I <laughs> forgot. I just was so caught. I wanted to say Bitcoin. I just have like the idea that they accept Bitcoin stuck in my head. Um, what I would say they're all like, is it outrageous for them to for you for us as Celtics fans to expect like a third like the same type of performance in the second half? We've heard so much about the schedule, and it's only supposed to get better from here on out. Teams, Brad Stevens' teams normally get better as the season progresses and are playing their best basketball towards the end of the year. I mean, without an injury, I don't think it's absurd to say they uh, they should keep that pace. I don't know. I, Maybe I, I'm too optimistic. I, I, I can't, I can't honestly sit there and say they're going to win 60 games this year. I can't. They... They've made it through their first test. That December schedule, they made it through. And they did it with a winning record. They were 11-6 and six in December, which is awesome for everything that they've been through. The schedule calms down, but they still haven't done their West Coast trip. And they come out at the end of January... In L.A. for the Lakers, Clippers, then Warriors, then Nuggets. Now, the the Lakers are really struggling hard, but you never know. In Los Angeles, weird things happen. The Clippers, if they get healthy, they're getting healthier now. That's going to be a tough game. The Warriors are going to be tough. 
the Nuggets in that altitude gets tough. That could be a tough stretch. That could be potentially a, a losing record there. They could hit a little bit of a skid. They've got uh, Toronto and Washington coming up in the same week on the road. They've got they've got tough opponents coming up in this upcoming part of the season. They still got to go to I'm, – I'm going through the schedule here. They still got to go on a road trip that goes uh, Houston, Chicago, Minnesota. Not the easiest stretch in the world. So if I they, – they've gotten a nice head start. So if I'm going to set their over-under at this point, I'll set it at 58. And if I was using mybookie.ag, I'd slam the over. <laughs> I just think this team is not – they haven't even reached their potential yet. They've – that 16-game win streak, they were able to sneak away some wins that, that, that had no, no business winning. They won that Pacers game that was nonsense. Um, I just don't think we've seen this team be fully healthy and just like really played great basketball yet. They're going to be getting more rest – you're right. The schedule is going to is harder. They haven't played the most difficult schedule uh, as of yet. But I just think without injuries, if this team is like the stays of the current roster they have, I think they are have more than enough potential to kind of win over that 58 mark. And I think they can definitely get to 60. I mean, they won 31 already. All Look, they have to do is win 29. They can. They can play worse. They they absolutely can. I'm not saying that they can't. Uh, I'm not necessarily saying that if they if at this point. If they don't, I mean, if if they do, it's not shocking because, like you said, they they've won. They don't even have to keep up the same pace to win sixty games. So they they could. It's just so weird to me that I don't know. I I just can't. Maybe it's just me. I just can't. Sixty is such a threshold that I just don't see these guys still as a sixty win team. Fifty eight is damn good. That's a damn good record. But who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I'd like to be wrong. They they could, with more rest, they could just keep on going. It's it's not impossible. I'm not saying it's even improbable. I just I think 58 is probably where they settle. We we haven't seen this team really really struggle, and I think there's there's still going to be like a losing streak in there somewhere. All right, moving on. Like it's a nice problem to have. Will they win 58 or 62 games? Jesus, I mean, how spoiled are we right now? Uh, Vandell Harris tonight. The, the Cavaliers have been held to their season low, lowest point differential. Oh, that's nice. Uh, Steve Canton at Kang underscore daddy with Mr. Three sticks, recent run of form and improved defense this year. Does it affect what we offer smart in the off season? Well, we already answered that. Uh, I think Marcus smarts price tag is probably going to drop somewhere around 10 million a year. So I, I don't know what dangers number. Do you have a number in mind, Sam? I have no idea what the market's yeah. going to be. We just have no idea who's going to be possible to tell right what now. teams are going to offer. He, I could see him getting us like some crazy offer, like four years, 15 mil a year. That would be, I feel like too much at, at this point, but um, who knows? I think he's also the type of player who just like would take a hometown discount. So I don't know. I've, I've given up the prediction business yep. of especially NBA off season. That's it's just gets crazier every year. All right, let's uh, go through a couple more before we switch it over to the junk drawer. Andy Cahill at life of Cahill. Is this the best case scenario for how the Celtics can play? Is this the best case scenario? No, I think they could play better than tonight. Kyrie can certainly hit better, more shots. Uh, I think the best case scenario is 
this is pretty good. But I think the best case scenario would be that Kyrie and Al Horford kind of lead the team, and then Tatum and Brown and Morris slash Smart or Terry Rozier. You know, those three guys. If those three guys combine for like thirty to forty points, just those three between what the starters can give, I think that's that's pretty good. I think your starters. You can assume that your starters are going to get you. What, 60 to 70 points? What did they get tonight? 10, 20, 30, 40, 50? I mean, I think if, they're, if the bench is playing this well, if you get 35 points from Smart and Rozier, that, that's a very, very good sign. Um, but you're right. I think like the best that the Celtics are playing, you'd probably see their stars uh, kind of do a little bit more. But with that being said, if the defense is just playing – to completely take Kyrie Irving out of the game or to take Kyrie Irving and Al Horford out of the game, if they react well and make the right pass and find open guys like Tatum, like Brown, um, and I think that's a huge reason why Jason Tatum has been so good this year is that he's most of the attention has gone towards Kyrie Irving and, and Al Horford. But you know what? If, if the defense is just trying to say Kyrie's not going to beat us, then yeah, this was a damn good example of the, the Celtics reacting perfectly to that. So uh, a couple more here because I just want to give the shout out to people who reference when people are making like inside references to our podcast, I got to mention them. So uh, Michael Malloy, Al gorgeous eyes, Horford with the back-to-back grown man finishes. Any references to Al Horford's eyes get mentioned. And uh, Alex at straight, no chaser, Al Horford, good breakfast. So we'll, uh, we'll leave it at that. I think it's time for the jam junk drawer. Oh, and we got a full one tonight. Um, starting off early, right at the uh, during the anthem, a guy who definitely uh, looks like he hates Colin Kaepernick yelled "LeBron sucks" like mid anthem, and it was just so infuriating. And the idea that like people don't take the anthem seriously or kneeling—I don't know—it just got me very upset. Like, if you look around at people at like during the anthem and or at the games. No one is like treating it with the respect that like they got so offended by, and just the guy yelling the bronze sucks during the anthem is just like no one publicly shamed him for it. The guy didn't lose his job. It was uh, infuriating. That's hard. Um, moving on quickly, Jay Crowder got a mini tribute video tonight and like a nice ovation, and completely missed it because the Cavs have such an elaborate handshake process that he was like midway through all of his handshakes. And I just saw Tom Westerholm tweet after the game that Crowder had no idea that he got a tribute video and was quite pissed off that he didn't see it, uh, which is hilarious. Like, that's just perfect. That's great. Uh, Shane Larkin, NBA vote, hashtag NBA vote. Moving on. Um, Kid Pictionary. Oh, my God. Fantastic stuff. Uh, The kid, they just have a kid draw a Celtics player and then the Celtics player try to guess who it is. Today, it was Jason Tatum. But just Terry Rozier described the picture as looking like he had a his nose was a tunnel, which was laugh out loud funny. I don't know what that means, but it was is good stuff. Uh, I also saw an Australian flag in the crowd tonight, which is uh, cool for Aaron Baines and cool for the reigning Jays because we're huge in Australia. We're as big as all of Australia in Australia. So to see a flag like it was Pedro Martinez pitching in 1999 uh, was just a great moment for our brand personally. Awesome. Uh. I'm shocked we've spent this long and haven't gotten to Daniel Tice, step, Mr. Stepback himself. I had, a, tonight. I had a feeling this would make the junk drawer. 
Oh, man, that was uh, some electrifying moments. And then Matt Moore tweeted the Tice is right. And I got so upset with myself because I've been trying to come up with good Tice puns all year. And then he just swoops in and comes up with the best one I've seen so far, <laughs> which is just very, very frustrating. And uh, but there was that stretch in the preseason where Tice hit like four threes. And we all thought like that was going to be his game. He was going to be the guy who stretches the floor. I was shocked to see that tonight. He deserves at least a, a jump drawer uh, shout out because uh, two in a row he was feeling himself. The Tice is right. I like it. Um, there right. was an old man on the jumbotron, an old white man in a Kuji sweater. Um, that's just not <laughs> something you see every day. <laughs> as a guy who owns a Kuji sweater, one day I hope to be that old white man showing up to NBA games in that sweater. Can I tell um, you a quick Kuji story? Yes, please. Yes. So I was in a bar in New York City with my friend Jeff Garcia, who is the host of Lockdown Spurs. And there were you know, a few beverages involved. And he went down to the coat check. He does not know what Kuji is. So he went down to the Kochek, and there was no attendant there, and he was trying to get his stuff, but he wasn't, you know, in the right frame of mind to wait or anything like that. So very large bouncer comes up to him and says, you got to wait. And he says, uh, excuse me, and the guy is wearing a shirt that says Kuji on it, and, and Jeff thought it was his name. <laughs> So, Mr. Coochie, I, I need he says, my jacket. <laughs> he looks like, and it's an exaggerated like point and look. He like looks down and goes, "Excuse me, uh, Coochie, I just want to get my bag." <laughs> he did not appreciate that. Let's just say that there was not a there was a tense moment at the club. I can imagine that you had to step in and quickly escort your friend outside of that uh, premises. Yes. Every time I hear Coochie, I think of that story. Perfect. Um. The Celtics tried like a new segment tonight where they just got giant flags uh, trying and it said at first it said make noise and then they ripped that flag away and then it said louder and it's like and then it said they ripped that flag like through the center of the, the next flag and it said let's go and uh, people were just not that pumped up and then they were like lucky popped out of the the slit in the flag and was trying to uh, cheer up the crowd and it just kind of looked like he was being birthed. <laughs> and it was an odd it was an odd moment and i just felt bad for whoever idea it was like man we're going to spend they probably spent some good money on those flags and they thought it was going to be awesome and it just wasn't that cool it was kind of a kind of a weird moment so i don't know if anyone's watching that on league pass but uh man those those flags got took a huge l tonight and i just don't think they can bring them back there's just no way uh I, anyone's getting pumped up for those flags um, finally, I just want to give a shout out to a man I've never actually met before, but I've only interacted via Celtics Twitter. Um, Max Lederman of, uh, CSN, or I guess NBC Boston at this point, uh, great content producer for them, but he had a terrible, terrible take like, uh, four weeks ago about how he was done with Tito Rozier. Uh, he doesn't want, like, he thinks the Celtics should trade him. And he was retweeting all the people chirping at him tonight. So I just want to give respect to someone um, graciously taking an L on the Internet. It's rare. People don't take their L's enough. People are not humble enough. But shout out to Max for, you know what, he took that L like a champ. And he had a terrible take, and he's owning it. You know, sometimes you have terrible takes. and I got loads of them. Yeah. You, look, especially when you do what we do. And or if you're uh, have any level of notoriety on social media, you go out there and you throw takes out there all the time. 
and got, you're going to be wrong. When you're out there writing and talking every damn day, you're going to be wrong sometimes. And, and the hope is that you're right about more stuff than you're wrong. And that's, that's just how it is. Sometimes you take the L and you'd be like, yep, screwed that one up. You know, and every once in a while you end up on that uh, cold take Twitter. Ever? Oh, I hate I hate cold takes exposed. I think yeah. it's the dumbest thing in the world because Twitter is just made for saying like outrageous things that you think or predictions, and then to get like called out on that, it just feels like antithetical to the entire idea of Twitter. Right. It makes it makes you not want to say anything. Which, I, of course, I'm going to keep saying stuff because you never know. Like you just, I I see things and I say. I don't think this guy is going to be good. And then you, you, at some point you go, oh, okay, I made a mistake. I was wrong. Or you get a little bit more information like, oh, okay, maybe, maybe I was wrong about that. Now that I see more, he'll be good. Uh, whatever. You, that, that happens. So the cold takes expo- – I've been on there probably like two or three times now. And it, whatever. I just let it go. It's – what can you do? You can't you can't interact with it because you look like you're you know like oh you can't explain it away. It's just I said something once and I was wrong. Take the L and you just move on. So props to him. That's that's kind of how you have to do it. Uh, I'm going to make one quick addition to the junk drawer because oh please I I'm going to follow up on my halftime periscope which I I rekindled today for the first time in a couple of weeks and. It was after Horford had a couple of dunks, and I was like, man, it seems like Al Horford's dunking a lot this season. So I promised people at halftime I would look up the numbers season to season, and I said at halftime, I feel like he's dunked more this year than he has last year, all of last year, or at least it's got to be close. And it really is close, because last season, 2016-17, last season, on NBA.com stats... Uh, and if you go look at the splits for shooting, they break it down a few different ways. It's a little weird, but under dunk, he had 42 dunk attempts. He missed a dunk last year. So he had 41 dunks and six alley-oops last season. This season, 18 alley-oops. So he's tripled his alley-oops this season and 31 dunks. So he's only 10 shy of all of last season. So... That he has been dunking a lot, and like I said, he's tripled his alley oop production already. So that's courtesy of Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart's thrown a ton of alley oops to him. So little, you know, funky little stat. Promised people I would give it to you, and uh, that's where it is. That's what it is. So Al Horford needs ten more dunks overall to match last season's total. Is he going to get sixty dunks? With the over on, <laughs> he's on pace for. He's got a dunk for every win. So how about this? Every dunk for Al Horford has equals a win for the Celtics this season. I think the logic is sound, and I agree 100%. So I'm setting the over-under on Al Horford dunks at 58. Put that on old takes exposed. (laughs) Or you can hopefully bet on that at mybookie.ag. Use the promo code LOCKEDON. That activates our special offer. LOCKEDON is the promo code at mybookie.ag. They will match your deposit. With an up to 50% bonus. That's mybookie.ag. The promo code is locked on to match your deposit with an up to 50% bonus. If you're going to bet, the only place to do it is mybookie.ag. 
Okay, Celtics. Big winners tonight in a shockingly one-sided game. 102-88 over the Cleveland Cavaliers. If you have enjoyed this show and you are not a subscriber, we recommend highly that you do subscribe so you can get the show delivered to you immediately upon posting wherever you get your podcast. Just go subscribe, whatever it is. If it's iTunes, if it's Google Play, if you use Spotify, we are there, which is a big deal because Spotify closely curates its podcasts so they don't just let anybody on. We are there. So if you are a Spotify user, you can find us there. No problem. If you are a subscriber and you haven't left us a five-star review, look, that's the, that's the way to pay us. We don't charge you anything for this. Yeah, we make you sit through a couple of ads, but you know the way you could pay us back really is to give us the five stars, give a good review, and spread the word, share the podcast, let people know. They should be listening to us, the Locked On Celtics podcast, here on the Locked On Podcast Network.